Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of On the Barricades. This uh, the barricade is your pl- is is your place for pan Eastern European news uh, covering Eastern European affairs and international affairs, but always with the critical left uh, perspective. And I am Yuri Smouter, the host of One Plus One uh, on uh, YouTube. Uh, Joining uh, jo- joining your daily uh, hosts, uh, Boyan Stanislavski and Dr. Maria Chernats coming to us, Boyan coming to us from Poland, uh, Bulgarian-Polish uh, coming to us from uh, Poland, Dr. Maria Chernats coming to us from uh, Romania, and coming to us from Turtle Island, the United States, I do believe, is Arto Antinen. And Arto, for people who are new to the barricade, and, cer- and, and certainly I have seen you before uh, on the show, but just... But, but just you know, give a brief, uh, yeah, give your brief bio, your back, your, your backgrounds. <laughs> Thanks, Yuri. Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually a Bulgarian, um, and I split my time between Bulgaria and the United States as, you know, my job permits, but my, my, uh, you know, I grew up in Bulgaria, uh, in the same sort of historical time period, if you will, as Maria and, um, uh, Boyan. So, um, I try to do my work, uh, my academic work on, you know, sort of the history of Marxism with a focus on Eastern Europe, but also more recently on kind of more perhaps general questions about uh, the big political battle, you know, the civilizational political battle, if you will, between uh, capitalism and how can we think of uh, post-capitalism, you know, obviously from a social communist uh, um, uh, bend. So here I am. And that's a perfect segue to to my opening remarks before we begin this discussion. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll kick it off. And apologies to the audience that I did not write this speech uh, beforehand. But, anyways, here it goes. So, as anyone who watches the barricade and anyone who watches my program knows, uh, you know, Eastern Europe once upon a time, just like Russia, had a very unique history has always had a very unique history and during the cold war that history of course was marked by having a very was having an alternative system it was a socialist system but for lack of a better word we call it you know uh, you know the communist system and of course uh there was lots of problems that existed within the uh communist system whether it was the ussr whether it was uh you know the, the the still existing uh Chinese, uh, you know, socialism with Chinese characteristics and Eastern Europe. And yes, there were human rights abuses. Yes, there was, you know, certain, and, and yes, there was some democratic deficits within the workplace and so forth. But all that said, I'm of the opinion that it is time for the left, the Western left, but especially for our Eastern European audience, that it's time for us to move beyond what I call anti-communism leftism and growing up uh, and, 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 you know, growing up, you know, in Belgium, you know, I, you know, you know, I've always grown up with anti-communism leftism. You can say you're a socialist, but you have to always say I'm a democratic socialism. I'm a, I'm a democratic socialist. I'm for socialism, uh, you know, like how the Nordics uh, do it or, or, you know, a democratic socialist of, of, of a certain, Latin American country in which their leader was overthrown brutally by the U.S. and its allies. Not that Cuban kind of a socialism. And I've come to this conclusion that it's time for us to move 
beyond anti-communism leftism, basically around the time where we were where the uh, where, where the where, where the uh, civil war sort of broke out in Ukraine, and of course there's all these you know there's all this anti you know Russia hysteria and so forth. And when I was digging into you know the complexities of Ukraine, how there's more than one Ukrainian identity. Ukraine is not just somebody who speaks Ukrainian, uh, you know, of, you know, that's part of the Ukraine, you know, you know, the Ukrainian, uh, you know, church. It's a much more complex history than that, which people don't give credit for. And reading about the reactionary far-right movements, which Canada, the U.S., and the EU, and NATO uh, backed the people who lionized Stepan Bandera, I stumbled upon an interview with Yasha Levine, who's a who's a Ukrainian, Russian American, you know, Jewish uh, person who covered a lot, you know, the, uh, the, the, you know, you know, you know, the decade of civilizational downgrade in Russia and all of these competing far right movements in Eastern Europe. And Yasha Levine uh, was interviewing somebody from somebody from Canada a Ukra- of a Ukrainian a Ukrainian Canadian background who was a member of the Communist Party of Canada and they were having this conversation about 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 the far right in Ukraine and I was just so you know shocked by it to actually hear an immigrant who doesn't re- who who didn't keep recycling all of the anti-communism leftism of so much of you know the western left so that led me down like a rabbit hole. I ended up becoming good friends with uh, with with Jay Watts, the now former central organizer of the Communist Party of Canada, members of the Communist Party of uh, Canada, and on my program, I've interviewed you know people uh, from the Irish Communist, uh, you know, from the Communist Party of Ireland, and it just led me in this journey, this intellectual journey of of de- of needing to decolonize our minds, and again moving beyond anti-communism, leftism, because I think what happened in Eastern Europe and the USSR was not some grassroots people power democracy movement that it was depicted as. I really do think, and of course, more and more documents which are being declassified now are showing that it was a counter-revolution. The Western imperialists did weaponize legitimate grievances, did weaponize uh, a, a lot of half truths, which are the most difficult propaganda to debunk because there's a little bit of truth in it. And I think what happened with the end of the USSR and the end of the Warsaw Pact Eastern Bloc was not some, again, while legitimate grievances needed to be addressed, but what really happened in the end of the day was was a counter-revolution, far-right reactionary capitalist uh, project which came uh, about. And I really do think that it's time for the left in the West and so forth to move beyond anti-communism, leftism, because I think all that has done has kept us trapped, has kept us doing self-McCarthyism, has kept us doing this worthy and unworthy victim where Worthy victims of McCarthyism and the Red Scare are the social democrats, are people who identify as socialists, not the more radical communists who, even if you may have disagreed with their uh, with their uh, with their lionizing of Stalin and stuff like that, if not for these people, we would not have had 
a new deal. We would not have had so many of the workers' rights and so many of the rights which the West completely takes for granted and which are being assaulted right now by, you know, the center right to the far right mm-hmm. to the uh, <laughs> and so forth. And uh, and I think especially in Eastern Europe, if we want a new Eastern European left to advance, I think it's very important that that socialism that does come about is socialism with Eastern European characteristics. And ergo, to, and ergo to, do not mimic what the Western left is doing. Uh, I've heard many conversations of Boyan and other platforms and, and even on the barricade that, look, Eastern Europe has a unique history. Yes, there was a lot of, yes, there was a lot of, there, there, there were some dark periods that existed within, within, within the period of communism, but it was not just, you know, doom and gloom. There was massive social mobility, social achievements and a near eradication of the reactionary politics, which everybody complains about when we talk about the far right, the reactionary rights, and uh, and so forth. So, and so, when I talk about moving beyond anti-communism leftism, I'm not saying that we minimize legitimate grievances that many people had with whatever existing state. I'm not saying that we don't, uh, you, you know, that we don't condemn what the USSR did to. Czechoslovakia during the Prague Spring. I'm not saying that we uh, that, that, that that we you know don't acknowledge a lot of the horrific human rights abuses that existed under uh, Ceausescu or Albania, but we do need to move beyond anti-communism, leftism, and whatever new left exists uh, you know develops in Eastern Europe. It needs to be a, a an Eastern European left with Eastern European characteristics, the way the Chinese, you know, do their, uh, you know, do their vis- vision mm-hmm. of socialism. And that's also not to say that we should be throwing uh, the Roma people under the bus, the LGBTQIA community under the bus, or feminism under the bus. But again, whatever developed in Eastern Europe, it needs to be, it needs to be, you know, a socialism with Eastern European characteristics, just like whatever happens in the Middle East, whatever feminism, whatever queer liberation, whatever leftism develops there is going to be with Middle Eastern characteristics. And other, and I'll, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I think I'll stop talking then open the floor to the panel and uh, yeah, that's my, and that's my uh, two cents. Well, I think what you said, Yuri, is is commendable and is very important. But how do you do that? How exactly do you do that? How do you move beyond? Because it's easy to say, well, we have to move beyond. Then what? Then you're going to meet people who are going to say to you, especially in a country like Romania, that communism brought authoritarianism, that being socialist always means... uh, being poor, that uh, the only equality we achieved during socialist era was the equality in poverty. So the ideal (laughs) of equality was to bring everyone down to your level and a lot of tropes and themes like this one. So how do you, how do you counter that? How do you 
move beyond, as you said, the anti-communist, uh, anti-communist leftism. And I think I have a solution, but it implies a lot of work and it implies a lot of work on the part of the researchers. First of all, I think we have to detach ourselves from this very pro-capitalistic system of producing research. I say this is the first step. Because in the current system, you have very, or should I say, we all work on our own on different themes for internationally indexed journals in very famous databases that uh, bring us the so-called points. So it is a very, very vile and counterproductive uh, way of organizing scientific research. The main purpose of scientific research is to provide useful information and a coherent body of knowledge, especially in social sciences and humanities, about your society. So I think it's very important to have a state-founded institution devoted to studying socialism in Romania. Why do I say that? Because for quite a while, socialism was dismissed as something bad uh, and not enough research was conducted. Recently, recently, I mean last year, I think to be more precise, there was a research conducted to see what is the real perception of Romanians towards socialism. And more than 70% of Romanians said that they were better off before 1989. Now, this his percentage of 70% should be only the beginning of other types of research, researches. Since we, we had this chance to experience and to try to build real socialism, a lot of research has to be conducted from the sociological, anthropological point of view to, to see what was it like and to understand what happened to us from a sociological point of view here in Romania, in Bulgaria, in Poland. We don't have that. Instead, we have people trying to use marketable themes like sexual violence, for instance. I'm guilty. I, I admit I do that to publish in very famous article, in very famous academic journals in the United States. And, and this is very, very, Counterproductive. So we have to give this up, this type of organizing research, and we have to think about using research to understand what really happened to us from a very balanced and critical perspective. As you said, Yuri is not praising or trying to demonize the, the political regime that we experienced and the, the, the socialist, the real socialism we tried to build here in Romania and other parts in Eastern Europe. And uh, to provide useful information to understand what happened, because we don't have this thing. The only discourses are the ones that are the so-called nostalgics that try to put everything in a positive light, or the ones who try to demonize everything that is remotely connected to socialism. And this is a fairy tale. This is a narrative, a simplistic one that has to be overcome by very serious researchers. And it's also very important to do it now because um, 
you know, biology will claim the lives and of those who really experienced socialism, and we will lose an immense opportunity, an immense opportunity to research this this um, this social. The, this regime from a sociological and anthropological point of view. And I will give you an example. For instance, in Romania, there was this project of collectivization where uh, everybody that owned land was forced to give up huge parts of the land and uh, to um, exploit it in a collective manner. Now, this is a, was a process that was very painful for a lot of Romanians who wanted to have their own piece of land. That was something very, very primitive and very primal, not primitive in a negative and derogatory way. In a very, um, They wanted viscerally to have their own piece of land. And this process was documented through documentaries, through movies, through research projects. Now, something like that has to happen in terms of us experiencing socialism and then what happened after socialism, deindustrialization and all the rest. And this is the way I would say for us, for leftists, to have a rational basis of discussion. Because otherwise you just say, oh, we have to overcome this uh, situation where we demonize everything that happened to us. I think this is far, far from being enough. So uh, reject this pro-capitalism system of conducting research and conduct meaningful research to understand what really happened to us to pro provide a coherent explanation. And just before uh, Arzo or Boyan uh, responds and gives their uh, perspective, I just you know want to say that you know one of the reasons why I am why I do feel very strongly that we need to also that we need to move beyond anti-communism leftism is uh, you know when I when I listen to that interview of uh, Yasha Levine. Uh, you know, you, you know this immigrant of of, of a USSR background with, uh, with 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 the Ukrainian Canadian uh, who was talking about you know the uh, expat communities. They were talking about the expat communities. These uh, very well funded, uh, government funded, Eastern European civil society organizations, expat communities, who. With the brilliant journalism of Richard Sanders, uh, he who who exposed that all of these you know groups, which talked about the horrors of uh, communism and weaponized half truths and stuff like that, were all founded by runaway Nazi war criminals. These civil society groups continued to lionize Nazi war criminals and so forth, and these are the very groups that were that that, that were the most gung-ho about the Cold War, who were part of the counter-revolution that saw the rise of, of the far right and competing libertarian uh, parties that, that dominate the Eastern European uh, region and to an extent uh, Russia as uh, and to an extent Russia as well. And uh, yeah, and and yeah, and and that's and yeah, and that's just that's that's just another uh, you know reason why I think we need to move beyond the anti-communism leftism because you know these are the groups that are behind you know these uh, 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 yeah these are the groups that are behind you know the 
you know, the Banderites movement and the, uh, you know, the, and, and the neo-Nazi movement that we see in Ukraine that leads us into these endless cold wars and hot wars. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, when we talk about this very interesting topic, which is a reflection of the crisis of the of the political left. And, and to the extent that I don't even use the word left anymore because it's become so, so polluted and dirty that it doesn't really mean anything. It means everything, you know, but my, my thoughts are first thing is that I really believe that Western leftists, at least in my experience with very few exceptions, know very little or absolutely nothing about uh, the Soviet union and Eastern European, uh, the political history and the conditions of everyday life of Eastern European socialist states. They know absolutely nothing or very little. And I, I always have to fight with basic ideas, like in my own uh, union, for example, and where I teach, where there are a lot of old, especially older uh, leftists of various types who say things that show a profound kind of lack of knowledge about what the Soviet Union was as a political project. And I guess that's understandable for any foreign culture, like because there's you always have to, in a certain level, be a specialist studying it very carefully, or you have to live in it, or you have to be of it in order to really understand it. I really think that's true, uh, especially in something as contested as what was the Soviet system and what is Eastern European socialism. So I think the first problem is, it, it, as far as the Western allies are concerned, uh, who are socialists, is we there needs to be a process of education and careful study of what really was the Soviet Union as a political entity. And it's and, and kind of the um, beyond the, the most obvious things, like what was Stalinism, uh, what was, you know, um, collectivization, as Maria said, you know, for example, in Bulgaria, which also had collectivization, just like the Soviet Union and, and Romania. And Bulgaria had a tradition of uh, agricultural cooperatives, you know, before uh, the socialist uh, takeover of power. But... Uh, once collectivization happened, and of course, there was tremendous increase in agricultural production and food availability and everything else. But when the counter-revolution happened in 1989, 1990, and agricultural land in the mid to late 90s was returned to its original owners, Bulgarian agriculture was destroyed. And what happened most often was as the individual descendants of landowners who had their land confiscated during collectivization got their land back, most of them didn't know what to do with it because they had already become urbanized and they lived in the cities and had professions in the cities, not agriculture. Or if they wanted to work the land, they were poor and they couldn't even buy a tractor or all of the other, the, the irrigation system. They couldn't afford water. So what happened is Bulgarian agriculture is literally destroyed and essentially it's been rebuilt whereby large foreign agricultural corporations and small number of Bulgarian new wealthy you know, capitalists have essentially bought or rented agricultural land. So the, the idea that I can have my own land and it's important to me and I can do whatever I want with it literally means you can't do anything with it because you don't have the money and the resources to use it. So it's either going to stay empty and useless and you're not going to derive any uh, implied benefit from it or you're going to rent it for very little money to the large agricultural corporation that's going to rent it from you for nothing and derive its own profits from it. So 
So I think that's my, my first point is that very little is known about the really big transformations that happened in the Soviet Union and Eastern European societies in the West. And part of that is Cold War politics and, you know, the propaganda and et cetera. The other question is, though, as we how do we think about moving to uh, beyond anti-communism leftism um, is that we really need to maintain historical continuity. So, for example, for people from Eastern Europe who consider themselves to be socialists today or communists or some type of um, anti-capitalist by political uh, conviction, they have to stop at a certain point, engage in the suicidal, uh, hard self-critique of their own political past. Exactly. So, so if you say, well, I'm from Bulgaria and between 1945 and 1989, it was a total disaster. Oh, by the way, I'm a socialist and I'm a Marxist. <laughs> And then the totally reasonable question will be, then why do you want me to be a Marxist? Or why do you want me to be an anti-capitalist? You yourself, your entire political history is a failure. You say it yourself. It was anti-democratic. It was authoritarian. It was, you know, and that has to stop because it doesn't make any sense. All politics are authoritarian. All genuine political struggles require political power, which is the projection of coercive force against your political enemies and the disciplining of your own forces because politics is war. Michel Foucault said that, right? Because he inverted von Clausewitz's famous sentence that war is the continuation of politics through other means. Foucault said that actually politics is the continuation of war through other means. Many people have said this, right? Also, but Warren Buffett says it, that we're in a class war and we're winning, you know, and, and you know, Marx said it and Hitler said it. So all the different political ideologies clearly approach politics as a coerce, a struggle of coercive power based on your convictions of how to rebuild society better, more justly, etc. And then you engage in, 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 in political fighting. So I think the second point is beyond educating the, the Western left, uh, I don't know how that's going to happen because they have hegemony. Yeah, I don't think it's possible, really. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. That's, no, Maybe it's a waste of time. Actually, but we actually, have... actually, actually let, let me jump in because that's very important. That's I don't know if I don't know if the Western left will ever move beyond its self beyond its anti-communism leftism because so much of the left uh, in, in the academic world and others have built their careers off of being anti-communist left to curry favors with the establishment. Uh, you know, people like, and no offense to any of these people, but people that Professor Noam Chomsky, for example, Dr. Cornell West, uh, and, and, you know, count, you know, countless, you know, uh, uh, you know, of our media critics, I.F. Stone, the very famous I.F., uh, you know, I.F. Stone. I mean, even John Lennon, uh, uh, the voice of a generation, you know, in his, uh, you know, in his song uh, "Revolution," you know, what did he say? If you go carry your pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow. The moment you, the moment you guys start talking about destruction, <laughs> and I think, and, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Arta. I think like the moment people hear dictatorship of the proletariat, they go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 calm down." I love Marx, but do we really have to, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> be literalists and you know you know the top that yeah but all, think, that, but but all think, that being said but all that being yeah. said i think when we talk about eastern i think when we talk about eastern europe and when we talk about and we talk and when we're talking to an eastern european audience which is 
left-leaning and wants and, and really wants radical change and wants an end to the right-wing terror that's been inflicted on the region. Uh, you, I mean, where, where, where is the right-wing terror in Eastern Europe? Hmm? Where is the right-wing terror in Eastern Europe? Law and Justice Party, the Victor Orbans of the world, even like uh, even 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 Vostov, uh, Havel, and like <laughs> the, the the split of like I mean you've gone I mean you've gone endless austerity, endless competing far right parties in Eastern Europe uh, in Eastern Europe. Then you have the, the then 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 like it's bad enough what you know the it's it's bad enough the anti russian communist derangement syndrome but now it's just anti-russia derangement syndrome yeah, slash- but, but that's that's not right-wing terror that's equally right-wing and left-wing terror when it comes to demonizing russia and stuff like that but okay we can talk about it in the next segment i suppose like finish your thought please and uh, we have to go to a hard break now and uh, we're gonna meet up again in the next segment yeah, just you know you know just that you know just 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 that for eastern europe like you know you 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 can't you can't completely eradicate your past and have a completely new uh, uh you, you know a new narrative. I think with Eastern Europe you have you have to acknowledge okay this was a dark period uh, that happened in this period, but it was not all you know it wasn't all just like you know a dark you know hellhole the way anti communist leftists and, and 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 in general the anti communist world wants to presents what happens with Russian history after the Bolshevik Revolution and Eastern Europe after, you know, World War II. So. All right. Thanks, everyone, uh, for watching, being with us uh, through the first segment. Uh, we are going to meet up uh, shortly again. Uh, for those of you who are following uh, our productions and are uh, prepared to support us, then please go ahead and use the links that we Publish in the description box of any of all of our episodes. You can support us uh, via Substack, via PayPal, and uh, via Patreon. You can also uh, subscribe to our newsletter on Substack, which uh, is very helpful if you uh, don't want to miss out on any of our publications. Uh, thanks a lot. Stay healthy, keep fighting, and see you soon.